Brother Howard has asked me to read uh, from Daniel this morning, the book of Daniel, if he would join with me in verse uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. This morning I want you to go back with me in time to 605 B.C. We're in the, the Bible land. We're in the kingdom of Judah. The children of Israel uh, are in a decline. They're sliding away from God. Uh, Jehoiakim is the king. But he's a puppet king. He's been put there by the Egyptians who had conquered uh, this particular area of the country at that time. And the Bible says that he did evil in the sight of God. That was so true of many of the kings that, uh, uh, that ruled uh, the country of Judah and even the northern kingdom also. The northern kingdom has fallen already. They've succumbed to the efforts of the Assyrians who have taken them captive. And, and for all practical purposes, there is no northern kingdom. The southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, uh, has their ups and downs. Uh, it has been four years since uh, uh, Josiah who was the last good king that ruled over Judah, had been killed. Uh, the Egyptians had uh, moved their armies up through Palestine, and, and they were really going on to the north to uh, engage the Assyrians. Uh, but Josiah decided that he was going to uh, try to stop them. Uh, the Pharaoh that was leading the army told him, he said, I don't have a battle with you. I, if you just step aside, I want to go on to the north. But Josiah didn't do that. And he engaged him in battle and he was killed in that battle. Uh, and it was his son, Jehoiakim, uh, that was now ruling there in, in, uh, over, the, over the, uh, the children of Israel. But uh, as was true in that part of the country, there was always a, a, new, a new face coming on the scene and, and there was a new power that was emerging now and that was uh, the kingdom of Babylon. And uh, the kingdom of Babylon had come about uh, as a result of their victory over some of the Assyrians and others that had occu occupied uh, that area there. And uh, uh, it seems that the Egyptians had, uh, as they had moved up to the north and had, had occupied uh, a city called Karchamaz, uh they had been harassing the Babylonians with their army and so they decided that they were going to put a stop to that. 
And Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was the, was the general in charge of the Babylonian army. Uh, he, was, he was the son of the king, the king, uh, uh, king Nebuchadnezzar, or, or king Nabopolsar. Now, these names don't mean a lot to you, but I'm trying to set the tone for where we're going to go here in a minute. Uh, uh, he, he was his father, and uh, so Nebuchadnezzar took his army out, and he defeated he defeated the Egyptians, and uh, the Egyptians retreated to the south, and that means they had to pass through Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar followed them down to the south, and. When he got to Jerusalem, he besieged the city there. He attacked the city of Jerusalem. And uh, he was victorious over that. He, he, was, uh, he won the battle. And, and uh, as he was uh, engaged in that battle, he got word that his daddy had died. His father, who was the king, had died. And so he made plans to go back uh, to Babylon to assume the throne. But as he made ready to go back, he told his, his generals, he said, I want you to take a group of the people here from Jerusalem, and I want you to take them with us. I want you to pick out the very best. I want you to pick out those that are of royalty and those that are of nobility, and I want you to bring them. And so thus we have the beginning of the Babylonian captivity. It had been prophesied long before this that this was going to happen. Uh, not all of the, the, uh, the Israelites were taken at this time. In fact, there'd be three more groups that would be taken later on, some larger groups than were taken now. But I give us this background uh, so that we can introduce the person that we're going to talk about this morning, and that's Daniel. For you see, Daniel was one of those that was taken captive here in this first captivity and taken back to the city of Babylon. Now we have the book of Daniel that records the life of Daniel while he was in captivity. In fact, the book of Daniel covers a period of 73 years uh, with Daniel being taken by Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the book is ending with him serving under Darius, uh, who was the king of the Medes and the Persians that had come in and taken over the Babylonian Empire. And so I want to talk about the man Daniel this morning. I want to talk about the kind of life that he lived in this setting that I have just described for us. He had made the journey from Jerusalem uh, over to Babylon by uh, traveling on foot, I'm sure. Across the desert sands, it had been a difficult time for them. Uh, and he had arrived in the country of Babylon as a captive of Nebuchadnezzar. Probably about 15 years old at this time. A young man. For Nebuchadnezzar had told him to be sure, told his army to be sure and bring some of the bright young people. The ones that are, are of, uh, of uh, great uh, ability. Uh, and to bring them there because he wanted to make them servants in his palace. He wanted to use them in his government. And so you've read the story. If I were to ask the kids this morning uh, what they remembered about Daniel, uh, what would they tell me? 
What, what story would they relate to? It's all right to have a little interaction. Somebody tell me. They'd talk about in the lion's den, wouldn't they? And that is an important part of the story of Daniel. But the story of Daniel is far greater than that. Uh, Daniel was a man of great integrity, as we're going to talk about in a minute. He was a man that, that was dedicated to his God from the time that he was a young man, from the time that he was 15 years old. And we're going to look at some of the characteristics of Daniel. But what did Daniel achieve in these some 70 years that he stayed there uh, in, in captivity? Well, he immediately was recognized for his great ability that he had, and he began to be trained to serve in the king's palace. But he moved on up, and as we progress through the book of Daniel, we see that finally as we end the book, and as we see his account there before Darius, the king of the Medes and the Persians, that he was being put in a position over the whole country. It reminds us of a story that we'd read earlier in the book of Genesis, doesn't it? The book of uh, the story about Joseph as he'd gone into Egypt and as he had been so successful there uh, in uh, ruling that country and preparing that country for the great famine and of saving his people from starvation by having food for them and so forth. But here was Daniel in a like position to that. And he was a man who, who for 70-something years, he continued to rise to greater positions of authority in this pagan nation uh, that was ruled by people who were evil and who were destructive in almost everything that they thought about and did in life. Now, how, how was a man of God able to be successful in that kind of setting? How was a man of God able to remain a man of God and progress uh, through these uh, steps of succession, uh, of success, as he served in a country that was full of evil? I think there are four things about the life of Daniel that I want us to notice this morning that answers that question. Uh, the first thing that I suggest to you is that Daniel was a man of purpose, especially as it related to his relationship with God. As you look at the book of Daniel, and I wish everyone could have read it before we came here this morning, but if you look in the first chapter... Uh, of the book of Daniel, uh, we see, and I'm not going to take the time to read all of this, but we see him being challenged almost immediately after he came into the country. He was chosen as one of these young men that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to train. But one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar had instructed them in was that they uh, that they be placed in a in a position where they would be treated uh, like royalty and they would eat from the king's table. And the king's table was filled with foods that were forbidden the for, the, for the Jewish people, the children of Israel, to eat. And if you remember back, the unclean things that, uh, that God had forbade them, but those were a part of the diet of the Babylonian people. And uh, Daniel, it says, purposed in his heart that he was not going to partake of that food. Now picture that. Picture that. Now here's a young man. 
I don't know how old he is at this point now. I, I said a moment ago, probably about 15 when they, they left. Uh, hasn't been much time passed, so he's a young man. And uh, he, you know, uh, there had to be some fear in his life here in this circumstance that he was in. And he was being told that he had to do something that was contrary uh, to his beliefs. And uh, he purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to do that. It didn't matter what the consequences were going to be. Now I ask us this morning, what kind of purpose do we have in our relationship with God? What kind of purpose do we have in our relationship with God? I picked up something this past week that was interesting. Uh, uh, I'd been asking Roy Davidson for this for a good while, but he sent me a copy of uh, the history of the Mountain View Church of Christ. And I thought it interesting as I was reading this, uh, the first records that we have of that congregation baptizing people was in, uh, before, in, in the late 1800, 1892 was actually the first record. Uh, but on uh, October the 30th, 1902, uh, they appointed elders of that congregation and also appointed deacons. But also on that date, they signed a purpose statement. Now, I know that somebody might question, say, well, you know, that's not scriptural, that's not this or that. But I want to, I want to read to you what that congregation purposed in their hearts in relationship to God. Having given ourselves to God by faith, repentance, confession, and baptism into Christ and adopted the word of God for our rule of faith and patience, we now give ourselves to one another by the will of God. In this covenant, we promise to love and to obey him in all things and to watch over one another in love and to keep the unity of the faith and the bond of peace and to live in peace with all man, man, man if possible and to grow in grace, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together but exhorting one another for we believe that it is our duty to walk in the light and not to go in doubt for we cannot doubt God's word and uh, it uh, has uh, the conclusion there done by the order of the church on the 30th day of October 1902 and gives the signature of those there now I'm not suggesting to us this morning that we ought to be having a, a purpose statement made where all of us can sign that but I am suggesting to us uh, that like Daniel, as we approach life today, as we uh, go about doing the things that we do day by day, we need to have a purpose in life as it relates to God. Uh, yours might look a little different from mine. Mine look, might look different from yours. But too often, too often we go through life kind of just letting things happen day by day. Daniel, Daniel purposed in his heart that he was going to obey God. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the conditions were, no matter what kind of circumstances he was confronted in his life day by day. That's one of the reasons, brethren, that he was successful in the endeavor that he did for the next 70 years. But secondly, I want to suggest to us that Daniel uh, was a person of principle. Daniel was a person of principle. In everything that he did, he, he, he showed uh, what he stood for. He was, he was always willing to stand up for what he believed. I hope today 
as we go about our lives that you and I can be people of principle. I hope that we can go about our lives uh, ready to stand up for the things that we are convicted of in life as we serve our God. I hope today that you and I can be a person of principle to the point that uh, we're willing to stand and defend the faith. You know, in the, the book of Judah, uh, there was, there was uh, a time that it was, it was difficult uh, for the children of God and, and, and Judah pleaded that, that we would be willing to defend God's Word, that we'd be willing to stand for God's Word. We're confronted with many challenges today in, 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 our, in, in our faith. We're confronted with challenges that have to do with what we believe. Uh, and many times we are tempted to compromise those beliefs that we have. Many times we, we don't want to hurt people's feelings and we don't want to uh, go against maybe society. And many times we're willing to compromise the things that we believe in God. Daniel was not a man of compromise. He was not a man of compromise. He was a man of conviction. He was a man of principle. He stood up in face of some of the most difficult circumstances I think that you could put yourself in, and he said no to those that asked him to compromise his faith. Now, we mentioned a moment ago uh, the story of uh, uh, Daniel in the, the lion's den. Uh, that was a demonstration of principle in his life. You see, uh, he, had, uh, he had, he had been confronted with a situation where a decree had been issued that no one could worship anyone save the king. Daniel wasn't going to do that. You see, he worshipped God. He was in the decree, it was forbidden that he pray to anyone except for the king. Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do that. I wonder, are we that strong? Do we have that much principle in our lives, as our, in our relationship with God? That if someone were to say to me, Howard, uh, if I catch you praying to God, we're going to kill you. Well, that's, that's what they did here with Daniel. That's the, that's the circumstances he found himself in. But right now, in, in the, this uh, 21st century, someone says, Howard, I, if, if you pray to God, we're going to kill you. Would Howard pray to God? Well, that's the scripture that was just read a while ago. You see, when it said when that he heard that the decree had been signed, first thing he did was he went to his room and he prayed to God. And it said not only did he pray to God, but he did it as he had always done in the past. So here was a man of principle who said, no, you can take my life. You can do what you want to to me, but... I'm not, going to, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to pray to God. Are we people of principle to the point that when someone confronts us with something like that? Oh, it may not be death. It may be something simpler than that. 
But God wants us to stand firm. God wants us to stand hold for for His Word and to, to be willing to stand up for His Word. So Daniel was successful uh, not only because he was a man of principle, but because he was a man of purpose, as we've already talked about. He was determined in his life how he was going to live it. Am I determined how I'm going to live my life? Am I determined that whatever the circumstances are, I'm going to live it as God wants me to live it? Am I willing to do that? Am I a man of principle to the point that when I get out there and I'm confronted with these situations in life that I'm not going to compromise my faith, that I'm not going to compromise my beliefs, that I'm not going to compromise my position that I hold in relationship with God today. But then, thirdly, Daniel was a man of purity. Maybe, maybe a better word to use was that he was a man of integrity. When the Medes and the Persians had come in and they'd, they'd taken over the Babylonians, uh, Darius was uh, reorganizing the government and uh, he was going to appoint uh, 120 men to have various parts of the kingdom uh, and, and he was going to appoint three people uh, that would be over those 120. Daniel uh, was one of the three that was going to be set over the 120. Naturally, as politics goes and as those kind of positions go, people didn't like that. So a bunch of the 120 set about as to how they could uh, bring charges against Daniel such that the king would uh, reconsider appointing him. They, 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 they talked about it and, and, and someone said, well, there's one thing for sure. Uh, you won't be able to find any fault with his work that he does. You won't find anything wrong with what Daniel has done as far as his ruling over our country in the positions that he's been in. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of integrity. If you're going to find anything wrong, you're going to have to find it in, his, in the relationship that he has with his God and how that might violate something that we would say about our God. And so that's when they devised the plan uh, for the king to issue the decree that I was talking about a while ago to forbid people to pray to God. Daniel was a man of integrity. You see, they couldn't find any fault in his life. They couldn't find any fault in his life. That's the way it needs to be with us. You see, as I live my life day by day, the people out here in Savannah shouldn't be able to find fault in my life. Oh, I know that we are sinners. I know that we're weak. I know that we, we, we have our moments that, that things happen. Daniel, because he was a man of purpose, because he was a man of principle, was able to live in this pagan society a life that People couldn't find any fault with. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a great man? 
Isn't that the kind of person that you and I need to strive to be today? Don't we need to strive to be the kind of person that people can't find fault with? That means that we've got to examine everything that we do in life. We've got to examine every activity that we're engaged in. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, how does this make me look as a child of God? How does this make me look as a child of God? Daniel, I'm sure, had to answer that question many times. But he was a man of integrity. He had gone through some 70 years almost at the time of this happening, being a ruler in this pagan country, and they couldn't find any fault with him. He was that good. But he hadn't been that good by accident. He had been that good because he had a purpose in life that he had a principle that he lived by. His integrity was a result of what he had planned his life to be. And brethren, today we need to plan our lives to be children of God. We need to plan our lives to be Christians. And when we plan our lives to be a Christian, we need to examine everything that we do to make sure that we are upholding the principles of Christianity in our lives as we live them day by day. And then finally, not only was Daniel a man of purpose, not only was he a man of principle, not only was he a man of purity, but he was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. And as I've already related about that prayer, it was something that was regular in his life. It wasn't something that came about when he needed to say a prayer because of a difficult circumstance. In fact, the Bible said three times a day he bowed his head in prayer. And so when Dyrus said that you can't have prayer any longer to your God, uh, Daniel didn't think twice about what he was going to do. He's going to go pray just like he always had. Brethren, you and I today oftentimes are missing out on the greatest gift that God has given us on a daily basis, and that's our opportunity to go to him in prayer. I wish I could talk to my father today. I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about my earthly father. I'd give anything to be able to talk a little while with him. There's so many questions I'd like to ask him, you know. My heavenly father is greater than my earthly father. And so often I just don't commune with him at all. I don't pray to him at all. Daniel was a man of success in a difficult circumstance, in a difficult position, because he was a man of prayer. You see, God was his constant companion through the avenue of prayer. He was in constant communication with him. God was his helper every day. Daniel was able to be successful because he was a man of prayer. And as I look at this man, Daniel, uh, I see a great example for me to follow. I see the example of his purpose in life being such that 
he decided as a young man, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to violate God's commands, even though the circumstances might seem like it should happen at that particular moment. He was a man of principle. He stood up for God. He stood up for God. He stood up for what he believed. He wasn't ashamed that he was a child of God. He was a man of purity. He lived his life pure. He lived his life with integrity. He lived his life blameless in the sight of men around about him. And he was a man of prayer. I wish, I wish that I was that kind of man. But I can work on that. I can work on it each day. I can improve my life over what it is today by applying those four principles. I hope that what I've said has not come across in a negative way. I hope it's a positive message that we can be people like Daniel. We can be people of purpose. We can be people of principle. We can be people of purity. We can be people of prayer. I hope you'll imitate Daniel in your life. Daniel served God at an early age. Maybe you're here today and you've never taken on that in your life to be a servant of His. Today's a good day for you to start. Whether you're 15 or whether you're 55 or 70 or whatever you might be, it's a good day to start. Daniel had been obedient to the commands of his day. To be obedient to the commands of this day, we might refer back to what those people said there at Mountain View. They had heard God's Word and they had believed God's Word. They had uh, uh, had uh, had a faith uh, that led them to do the things they needed to do. They, they repented of their sins that they were and they'd been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Having done that, then they purpose themselves to live that life day by day. Would you do that today? If you're not a child of God, would you not be buried in baptism today for the remission of your sins? If so, would you not come as we stand together and as we sing?